We're very thankful today to be joined by Tony Eaton. He is with Down the Leash Service Dogs. Tony, it's a pleasure to meet you. Uh, pleasure to meet you. So let's get to know you just a little bit. Uh, were you born and raised in southern Illinois? Uh, no, actually, I'm originally from up by Chicago uh, in the some of the far west suburbs. Um, I'm originally from South Elgin, which is a little bitty town. Uh, it's probably about uh, 40, 40 miles or so west of Chicago. Uh, not so little anymore today, but uh, we we are transplants down here in southern Illinois. We moved here, I would say, probably about uh, 15, 16 years ago. And you say we, so who is we? Uh, me, my wife, uh, Valerie, and my two children, uh, Devin and Caitlin. How old are the kids? Uh, I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin is, uh, she just turned 29, and uh, she actually lives back in Chicago. And my son, Devin, he is 24, and he also lives back up in Chicago. Well, it's a pleasure to meet you, and uh, we're going to be talking about down-the-leash service dogs, and that's going to be the focus of the conversation. But, you know, things like this uh, come from a person's life experience. You are a um, veteran of the United States Marine Corps. You are a um, retired law enforcement officer. So talk to me a little bit about your background in those areas. Sure. Um, I served in the United States Marine Corps back in 1990 to 91. And fortunately, I had an injury in my knees that uh, caused me to get an honorable medical discharge. Um, I got out just before I was supposed to ship over to uh, Kuwait uh, during uh, Operation Desert Shield, right before it became Desert Storm. Um, when I got out, uh, I kind of went back into society, uh, tried to reacclimate myself to civilian life, uh, which was not an easy task. But uh, over the years, you know, I was able to, to do it as best I could. Uh, fast forward to uh, about 12 years ago. Um, I decided late in life that I wanted to get into law enforcement, and uh, I ended up joining up on uh, a part-time police officer as a part-time police officer in the uh, city of Christopher. Mm -hmm. And I served as a police officer. Well, actually, I take that back. Uh, it started in Ziegler, and then I went to Christopher. Um, and um, after about 11 years of being on the police force, I decided it was time to retire. Uh, the reason being is um, I found out that I had pretty bad PTSD, uh, which is post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, my PTSD stems back from my childhood. You can carry it forever. Uh, the military didn't make it any better. And uh, actually, before I moved down here, I was also a volunteer firefighter. Mm. So that kind of made things a little worse. And then, of course, being on the police department, some of the things that we see, um, you really do see some of the some of the worst things in, that, that you can ever see. And um, I just wasn't sure how to cope with that. And uh, that's what led me into getting my own service dog, which is here today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he can't talk, but uh, that'd be kind of neat if he could. I'd be rich. <laughs> and, and so tell me about your service dog. Well, my service dog, Ariel, he is uh, he was a rescue. And uh, originally, when I first got him, I was going to train him as my canine unit for the police department. Uh, he wasn't going to be a, um, you know, like one of your Malinois that's uh, more of a, a bite type dog. Uh, I was going to train him as a search and rescue and uh, drug sniffing dog. 
And uh, the the group that I had originally gone through for my training, um, the lady had seen something, the lead trainer, she had seen something in me that I probably just didn't see. And uh, she basically said that, you know, hey, listen, you've got PTSD. You need to train that dog for service work. And, uh, you know, I was, of course, like any other guy my age, military man, uh, we're in denial. You know, denial uh, that that can't happen to me. No, I'll be fine. I'll make it through this on my own. Um, so I ended up getting tested at, uh, I went to a clinical study over at SIU and, uh, sure enough, they say combat veterans are on a spectrum from, uh, one to 10, 10 being the worst, uh, combat veterans are usually at about a seven to an eight. I tested out at a nine and which is pretty bad. And, uh, so after that, then it, it turned into therapy things like that. And, uh, I started training Ari for, uh, for service work. And it was probably the best thing that I think I could have ever done. And after that, it's, I just fell in love with the dog training and, um, um, you know, his training is constant. It's, it never stops. So mm. it's funny. I get asked all the time, is your dog in training? Well, my dog is always in training. <laughs> sure. Well, and probably we as human beings ought to think a little bit more about constantly being in training of our own selves. Yes. Because, you know, even the most uh, professional baseball players in the world every year go to spring training. And so we constantly need that refreshing. So uh, what is the purpose of a service dog if you were to write it on paper what does that look like so it really depends on the individual um for my uh, my task for my dog and and task training is what sets apart a service dog from any other dog um, a lot of people don't understand what a task actually is. And a task is what does he do for my disability? And having PTSD is actually a disability. Um, I also have mobility issues, so I can't, uh, you know, get to the ground really or get up off the ground really easy. My knees are bad. My feet are bad. Um, and so some of his task trainings that he does is with PTSD he can sense when my pheromone changes are happening. So if I start to get upset, if I get anxious, if uh, I start to have a panic attack, um, if I get angry, if I'm sad, things like that, he picks up on that and uh, he goes into his working mode and he will come over and a lot of times he will paw me or he'll bump me with his nose or sometimes he'll just climb right up in my lap. Now, He's 70 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, when he does that, I know exactly what, what's happening because I've learned uh, through this partnership with my dog um, that if he's doing those things, it's not that he's being cute as a puppy or, you know, as a dog. Uh, he's actually doing something. He's working and he's telling me, Dad, you need to sit down. Let's take a break. Um, as far as his mobility training goes, um, I can drop something on the ground, uh, my keys, his leash, uh, my water bottle, anything, anything that falls out of my hand, and I can have him retrieve that. He will pick that up and hand it to me. Um, he's also trained to go for help. So if I am having an episode, say, in a grocery store and I park park myself on on the floor uh, he will work to make sure I'm okay and then if I tell him to go for help he will actively go and look for somebody that he can bring back to me for help so that could be anybody usually it's my wife 
um, because usually we go together. Sure. But uh, that's a good thing, actually, if, if you're uh, ever out in the world, out in the public, and you see a service dog that is walking around without a handler, please follow that dog. That dog is trying to go for help. He's trying to bring somebody back to his owner. So that's what a, a lot of people don't understand that or they don't they don't realize that. They think this dog is just walking loose. He's actually looking for help. So um, that's kind of what that looks like as far as uh, dog task training goes. Now I have a, a student that has epilepsy and when she's about to have a seizure, the dog will alert to her and basically make her sit down. And then if she lays on the ground, that dog will take his head and he will put his nose underneath her neck to keep her from uh, basically bouncing her head off the floor, which can cause more injury. Um, Ari actually will also alert for low blood sugar. So if my blood sugar drops low, he will actually paw at me to sit down. And then I know, okay, usually I can tell with my blood sugar. Sure. But he can tell even better than I can. He smells it before I do or before I can feel the effects of it. So what makes for a good service dog? Are there certain breeds that uh, lend themselves to this sort of work naturally? Uh, Is it uh, a combination of certain breeds versus just knowing how to train them? Walk me through that. So um, really what I do, and I'm not, uh, I know there are some trainers out there that are very breed specific. Uh, your golden retrievers are very, uh, very, uh, they're used quite a bit actually for service work, Labrador retrievers. Um, you're starting to see a big influx of, uh, like Labradoodles, things like that. Poodles, uh, standard poodles make very good service dogs. Um, but I'll be honest with you. I, Ari's a, he's a mixed breed. He's a half Staffordshire Terrier and he's a half lab and, uh, he was a rescue. And, um, you know, I had no idea, like I said in the beginning, that I was training him for that or for service work. But uh, he's turned out to be a very good service dog. So I'm, you know, I know there are some breeds out there that are very, very smart um, breeds that I do stay away from um, because I I want my people to have um, a long time with their dog. Generally, your service dog, you get about 10 years of life out or 10 years of service out of that. Right. And um, after 10 years, you want to really consider training your, the, the replacement for your dog. Um, and, and the reason being is, unfortunately, um, we tend to outlive our dogs. And, um, you know, um, and, and it's, it, it's kind of hard. So I, I don't recommend larger breeds that don't live very long. Um, I have seen large breeds that were, that were trained for service work, like uh, 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 Great Danes, for instance. I've seen them. Um, and it really, like I said, it really depends the type of breed to what your disability is. So if you have mobility issues, uh, um, you know, a guy your height, I would not recommend a small dog. You know, I would recommend a taller breed, maybe a lab or, a, um, you know, a, a labradoodle or, a, you know, a doodle that's mixed with something, you know, sure. Pyrenees, Great Pyrenees or, uh, uh, and I have two. Uh, actually, I got two Burma doodles. <laughs> They're Burmese <laughs> mountain dogs mixed with a poodle. But uh, yeah, it really depends. Um, you don't see too many very small dogs because. Um, you'll see them as emotional support dogs, which um, unfortunately they're not covered under the ADA laws, which is the Americans with Disabilities Act. So they don't get the rights that we do as far as service work goes. So uh, if someone's listening to this interview and they are thinking to themselves, you know, this is something that I've 
heard about or I've seen other people with service dogs of this type, and maybe it's something I could use for myself. Um, How do people reach out to you and maybe get evaluated? Is that the right way to put it? Sure, sure. So a little bit about us and what we do. Uh, We're actually a veteran group. Um, so if any of your listeners are veterans and they're interested, we can, we can definitely help them. My program, uh, it right now is open to veterans, uh, first responders, which is firefighters, police, uh, EMS, uh, paramedics, uh, dispatchers, things like that. Um, I offer a service to them at no cost. Uh, that's what sets us apart from everybody else. Um, we actually bring you into the class and we train you how to train your own animal. Um, if, uh, if somebody were interested in a service dog and they had questions, I can actually answer those and maybe direct them to a, another group. But just to give you an idea, it's not cheap for these dogs. Uh, this dog sitting here at my feet, he's worth about 20 to $25,000. Wow. Uh, that's how much goes into his training. Um, He's got thousands and thousands of hours hours underneath that vest of his, and uh, and it never stops. It'll never stop till the day he's gone. And uh, um, so, as far as is getting um, uh, us helping the general public, unfortunately, we're not open for that right now. We well, just and that's cater okay. to veterans, and that's okay because I think that you have to, uh, you know, know where your passion are, are lies, and you know, focus your business and i think that there is a probably a more concentrated need in those populations that you're targeting to serve because of the very unique stresses that are on those people i mean i i know from my experience working with police departments that there is a stress level there that is different than in in other jobs um, because it is both physical stress on your body it's often odd hours uh and it's also uh, the mental fatigue of it because you are asked in those positions to maintain a unnatural professionalism that runs counter to what human emotion dictates you to do in those moments and so it's um it's a it's a very unique strain that is put on people um in, in in those jobs yeah you you put it very well I, I, that's perfect i couldn't have put it any better <laughs> <laughs> well thank you <laughs> that, that is that is a fact you know you deal with people you go into situations where you're you're there as a servant to help and to get them help if you can and a lot of times they don't want you there uh, a lot of times they treat you very terribly and and you have to maintain that sense of professionalism and uh you know, with being a police officer or being military, you truly do got to have a servant's heart. I mean, it, it, it <laughs> you really do. And sometimes that's really difficult in that, in, in that job. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, you are on uh, Facebook. You are also online at uh, downtheleashservicedogs.com. Is that the that is correct. website? Uh, where did the name of the organization derive from? 
Well, I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> so it came from my wife, actually. Um, I was uh, before I started this program. I was having some issues with my dog and his reactivity. Reactivity with a dog is they. It's a behavior that that is unwarranted that that you don't want. They're doing something that. Um, they're acting in a way, kind of like a kid acting out. Okay. So, uh, I was having an issue where Ari was, uh, acting out and, um, I just really didn't know how to fix it. And I, and I think it was frustrating me so badly that it was getting worse. And my wife looks at me and she says, the dog is not the problem. She says, you are the problem. And I, and it kind of stopped me and I thought, oh gosh, here we go. (laughs) And she says, no, she says, everything that you're doing to that dog, all your feelings, all your emotions, everything is going down that leash to the dog. And that's where the, that's where our name came from. So when she said that, I, of course, her being my wife, I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to be the husband that, you know, this, this this dumb, hard-headed guy that said, no, 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 you're wrong. No. Well, she was 100% right because I ended up hiring my own trainer. And um, I went to my first training with her to do some updates with Ari. And she looks right at me and she goes, he's not the problem. You're the problem. I'm like, then my wife call you. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it was... You know, it's funny that I should have just listened to my wife to begin with, because usually she's already always right. Um, and uh, hopefully she's not listening to this because she'll she'll use this she'll, on me. She'll yeah, take yeah. that out. I'll on never me hear later. the end. Yeah, of it. right. <laughs> but I love my wife, and and uh, we've been together twenty twenty six years actually. So, mm-hmm. but um, so that's where the name Down the Leash came from. So everything that we do goes down the leash. Everything that we feel, um, whether it be sadness, whether it be anger, whether it be happiness, whether it be anxiousness, whatever it may be, it goes down that leash and the dog picks up on it. You know, technically, you know, they're not feeling that on the leash. They're so close to you that they, they're smelling those, horm- those pheromones and those, those changes in you. And they actually are looking at facial expressions, things like that. So that's where we got down the leash. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the challenges that people face when they have service dogs, whether it be uh, access to the grocery store or to a restaurant or whatever? Uh, Are there things that, you know, people need to be thinking about uh, should they get a service dog? Well, okay, so a service dog is a huge commitment. Um, you got to basically look at a service dog as they're not a pet, Okay, they are a piece of medical equipment. So they're no difference than in having a wheelchair, having a prosthetic, having an oxygen tank, whatever. Um, my dog is a piece of medical equipment. Now he's my best buddy. So right. you know, I know, you know, there's just that weird uh, vibe that goes on. You know, people say, "Well, he's a pet." No, no, he's technically he's not a pet. He's a piece of medical equipment. That's you know. But with going out into the public with him, the biggest hurdles that we face are people who have dogs that are not service dogs, and they are not trained to behave in a manner in public that is polite, that is uh, – goes according to what a service dog is supposed to be like. Um, These dogs are supposed to be well-behaved. They're supposed to be um, um, potty trained. Uh, They're supposed to be uh, tactical. Ask trained, which is the most important thing. Um, but they're supposed to be socialized too. And when I say socialized, I don't mean happy with other dogs. 
socialization, meaning being able to go out into public without uh, having a, a, a fit or barking at people or, you know, acting silly, you know. Um, so that's the socialization. I mean, you can see him. He's just chilling out right here, just laying here. Through the course of this whole interview, I mean, other than just glancing up at me a couple times when I talk or make a gesture with my hands or something, just very calm, very, um, I mean, I, I don't even know how to, much more well-behaved than my two-year-old twins would be if they were here right now uh i can promise you that um do, do you feel like there are some people who abuse the term service dog or support dog because i have seen in my role as mayor of murfreesboro people who have had dogs that would just say run at large in the community and then when we would um you know have to cite them for that or something uh they would say well this is you know my service dog you know you uh in some way caused me harm because you uh detained my dog even though it was running at large and that's what we have to do obviously um am i touching on something there that (laughs) Yeah, this is a very sore spot for for me and all my handlers. Um, so first off, if you're finding dogs that are running at large, um, I mean, if if a dog gets out of the house, you know that's one thing. But if you're you're having repeat offenders, that type of thing, that is not a service dog. Um, that that is an investment to me, and that's like okay, you got to put it this way. What I take $20,000 of mine and just stick it out on the front porch and no. hope that nobody would touch it. Right. That's that's that. That's the dog, you know. So why would I take a chance of spending thousands of hours and and tens of thousands of dollars for training for a dog and take a chance of them running out out at large, getting hit by a car? You know, or, you know, something, you know, happening, they get in a fight with another dog and they get damaged, things like that. Um, So those people are not those are not service dogs. I would almost I would put my paycheck on that. Yeah. Um, And there are people that are abusing this. And what's happening is in in our community uh, as service dog handlers, uh, it's very frustrating for us because there are no um, there are no certifications for a service dog. Um, there's a lot of people that think that they can go online and they can buy this little card that says my dog is certified. Well, if you see somebody with that, they are not, they do not have a service dog. That's not a service dog. They don't know what they're talking about. Um, according to the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, uh, service dogs do not require a, um, a certification, quote unquote, you know, uh, but they are required to have that task training. And that is what sets us apart. Um, so, you know, I think what's I don't mean to cut you off, but as my role as mayor of Murfreesboro, um, that's what you've just said is in, very invaluable to me because I've never known how to respond to those situations. And I think that there's a there's something that could be said for a one pager or a training or something for local government officials to better understand uh, who is. Uh, genuinely, you know, uh, having a service dog like you do in a sincere fashion and who is perhaps not as sincere. Sure. 
See, I wish that um, I wish the laws would change because uh, you know we're dictated by federal law. Yeah. Um, because the ADA is a federal entity, and uh, they are actually very powerful as far as helping us out. There's several uh, justices that are on the ADA group together that that actually would go to bat for us if something were to happen. Now. Um, I wish they would require some kind of certification, but right now, because we've got so many of these dogs out there, it's very hard to do that. You know, how do you grandfather dogs in? Uh, who is the one who's going to dictate uh, who is who is the person able to do that training? Uh, who is uh, going to dictate who is um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Basically, you know, who's going to be who's going to spearhead that? You yeah. know. That's a difficult needle to thread. Um, it is. It is. And, um, you know, I wish that in, in the beginning of, of the whole thing with service dogs that they would have uh, put something like that in place because that would have been a lot nicer for us. Now, I think with uh, emotional support dogs, um, and I'm not too familiar with emotional support dogs because I, I don't train them. Um, um, they, um, I don't know, I, I don't believe they need any kind of certification either. I almost believe that every dog that is... Uh properly taken care of is an emotional support dog yes i mean you, you hit the nail right on the i've head. got a <laughs> dog at home uh sugarfoot she's a half lab half corgi i affectionately call those breeds corgadors and um you know she's she's there for you know a multitude of reasons but for me primarily it's because it uh de-stresses me to go out and throw the ball for 20 minutes yeah you know it's just something that i can do that's simple uh, there's no great expectations about what we're going to do here, and uh, I can clear my mind and have somebody that's happy to see me. Oh, sure. You know, I mean, that's just a big part of every pet owner's experience. Yeah. So, you know, with, with your emotional support dogs, and it's just a, like you said, it's a, it's just a fancy way to say, this is my dog. Right. Um, you know, now there are uh, what's called therapy dogs which are, are another realm of dog training. And actually, we will probably start doing those as well. We've been in talks with the uh, emergency management of Franklin County. They have talked about possibly contracting us to do critical stress debriefing. That's when uh, there's a bad incident, whether it be a car wreck where somebody, uh, somebody passes or uh, officer-involved shooting, things like that. And so they, they require them to get a uh, – it's kind of like a therapy – and uh, we've Ryan Buckingham is the gentleman who I, I have spoke with. He was actually my uh, my assistant chief when I was on the fire department in Ziegler and a good friend of mine. I've known him for many years and we've kind of kicked this around about maybe doing a uh, therapy dog where I can bring the dog out for any kind of critical stress debriefing. And he yeah. takes care of five counties. So we're looking at basically going from Mount Vernon, though, all the way down to Cairo. And uh, I think these guys and gals would really benefit from that. They get some really stressful times. And, uh, you know, if we can bring a dog in to help them, that'd be even better. But I think there is a certification for those. And, and we're in the process. Uh, it's still kind of new to us. So we're still kind of looking to see what we got to do with that. Well, we are running uh, short on time. I think it's been a very productive conversation. We've been talking with Tony Eaton from Down the Leash Service Dogs. He is a, a veteran of the U.S. Marine Corps and a uh, one-time police officer, and uh, he is doing this work to try to help uh, combat the thing that's been happening with veteran suicide. You know, it helps give uh, veterans and uh, first responders a, a sense of purpose uh, in many ways. 
And uh, I think that there's a, a lot of positive things come out of the work that um, Mr. Eaton is doing. I encourage folks to check them out online at uh, downtheleashservicedogs.com. Also, you could like them on uh, Facebook. Tony, uh, when we wrap it all up here, uh, condense it all down into a couple of minutes, uh, what do you want people to know about what it is you're doing? So we are... We're, we're trying to cut our suicide rate down. That's truly what we are uh, with my group. We are a suicide prevention group. Um, we are in the process of building a network of other like-minded uh, veteran-run businesses. We are working with Haven House, which is a homeless shelter in Marion. Uh, I work with Bueller Wellness, which is a counseling service. Uh, we all kind of collaborate together to be able to give veterans a, a safe place to land um, we know that the VA is very taxed and there's a lot of, uh, there's, there's a lot that they cannot do. Um, they do what they can. And unfortunately some of these guys end up falling through the cracks. So we're, we're trying to pick up the pieces that the VA can't and, uh, just in our little realm. And, um, um, you know, our ultimate goal is, is to, you know, I told people in the beginning, if I could just save one life, it was worth it to me. My goal is to save them all. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I know that some people say, well, that's kind of impossible. Nothing is impossible. And as long as you've got that drive and you've got, you know, you've got those dreams to make this happen. And uh, I tell you what, some of the testimonies that my people give are, are just amazing. It blows me away. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very humbling. Um, I'm, I'm very, I'm very proud to, to be able to give to these people. Uh, these are my brothers and sisters. And, uh, you know, I always say that, that no one takes care of a vet like another veteran. And, uh, you know, I firmly believe that I am my brother's keeper. And, uh, you know, I'll uh, I'll go to the end thinking that, you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like I said, we're just this little group that just started off in January. You know, we started with two dogs and now here we are, you know, almost uh, September, well, September. And uh, we're up to 13 dog handler teams and we're growing so fast. We need to uh, we need to start looking into getting a bigger place and hopefully eventually we can get the funding that we need in order to so that I can. Uh, leave my uh, my my career to do dog training full time because right now I'm just I'm only doing this one day a week, but I'm available to my people all the time. You know, so it's really grown since the first of the year. Oh yeah, oh yeah. My wife tells me all the time. She says you need to take some time for yourself. I says no, I, I have to keep going. This is I, I can't I can't fail my people. Yeah, and uh, you know that's they're they truly are my brothers and sisters, and I'll I'll do whatever I can to help them. Yeah, you talk about making a difference, and I can't help but share an old story that's maybe cliche to some extent, but there was a perhaps fictional story about a man that was walking down the beach, and there was a bunch of starfish that had washed up on the shore, and uh, he was picking them up and throwing them back out in the ocean. And somebody else who was walking in the other direction came upon him and said, you know, there's literally hundreds of these out here, like you're not going to be able to get all these back in the ocean. Like, do you think you're really making a difference? And he picked one up and threw it in the ocean. He said it made a difference for that one and then just kept on going. And um, that's kind of how you have to um, approach these things, which are, you know, big overarching conversations. You know, when you're talking about veteran suicide, when you're talking about all the stresses of these things, um, you know, you have to have the attitude that you have because that's the attitude that uh, makes a difference for that one. Yeah, I agree. 
I agree. Tony Eaton has been our guest today from Down the Leash Service Dogs. Tony, we really appreciate your time. Uh, Thank you for having me.